Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16 today. Last week we were in 15, today we're in 16. I want to ask you a question, and I need your help preaching today. Anyone just absolutely done with this coronavirus? I heard two or three people. I said, are you done with this COVID-19 stuff? How many of you are just done with the word unprecedented? (laughs) I know you are. This word doesn't really mean unprecedented anymore if it's going on. I mean, mean, it's no longer unprecedented. How many of you are just ready and willing to, to say goodbye to the mask? I know it makes some people look better. I know that. I understand. But the mask... Are you done with the mask? I mean, we're ready to see the mask go. I know I am. How about the places you have to stay away from? Are you ready to go back to those places that you used to go to and see the things you used to see and do the things you used to do? I am. I mean, y'all getting excited this morning with me uh, bringing this stuff up. How about the numbers? Are y'all sick and tired of hearing about numbers? Man, do they have to tell us any more numbers? Come on. You know, we are living in an environment and in a culture right now that has completely and radically changed from what we knew several months ago. Who would have known in January we would be sitting here in this room with this number of people in the room and the number of people we have online that we would be living in this kind of environment and talking about these kind of things. None of us would have predicted it. We never would have thought that this would have happened. But when these things occur, how can we survive in a healthy way, in a God-honoring way, when we get sick and tired of being sick and tired about the things we're sick and tired about? And the stuff that just keeps going on. Well, I want us to get in here because we're going to find that these group of people is not a lot different than us. Even though it took place a long, long, somebody say a long, a long time ago, they're not a lot different than we are. We're going to find that last week we know that they came across some water and it was bitter. And Moses, he cried out to the Lord. The Lord gave him direction, showed him a tree. He put it in the waters. The bitter waters became sweet. That was a miracle. It cannot scientifically happen even today. You can't take something bitter and make it sweet. We can mask it. That's all we can do is mask the bitterness in our life. But God can turn it to sweetness. And then they went on a little bit farther to a place called Elam. And in Elam they found... These springs and 70 palm branches to keep them cool in the shade. I don't know about you, but when when I'm outside working right now or I'm outside, when, when a cloud comes over, I go, oh, thank you, Lord. I like a little shade when it's hot. And I know these people did. So they found themselves blessed. But we're going to pick up in verse number 1 of chapter 16, and we're going to discover that they're not a lot different than we are in 2020. Then they set out from Elam... And all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Now notice that the place that they came is actually the first three letters of Sinai. It's because it's right on the outskirts of Mount Sinai, that particular area. It was between those two areas, and, and it took its name from Sinai. All right, so there they are. On the 15th day of the second month, 
after their departure from the land of Egypt. Now, they have been on this journey, if you will, for about a month and a half. We've been on this journey with the coronavirus much longer than a month and a half. But they've been on this journey for a month and a half. They have seen great things happen. They have seen uh, God deliver them from Egypt. They have seen God change Pharaoh's mind completely. And they, they saw the waters depart. They saw bitter waters become sweet. They saw their enemies completely defeated. They had seen a lot of stuff. But let's look at verse number 2 of chapter 16. The whole congregation, not some of them, not one or two of them, not just the board, but the whole congregation of the sons of Israel complimented Moses and said, Moses, what a great job you're doing. Is that what your translation says? That's not what mine says. Mine says right here in verse, 12, verse 2, The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Have you ever been around somebody that grumbles? Okay, let me break it down to 2020 that just complains. That's what this grumbling means is complaining. Verse 3, Then, uh, verse 3, The sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> you want to know what that is? It's the world's smallest violins playing My Heart Bleeds for You in stereo. <laughs> Here they are, they're out here grumbling and complaining that they're hungry. And did you notice what they're looking at? I want us to really understand that these people were treading on the grounds of shaky faith. And there's some truth I want us to pull out of this, and then we're going to get into the, the heart and the meat of this entire passage. The very first thing about shaky faith is this. Complainers deny God being in control. Complainers deny God being in control. We just saw that where they're going, well, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Why didn't he just kill us there? I mean, God's hand ain't doing nothing but making us hungry. They're complaining. But let me ask you a question. When does a fact become a complaint? Because there are times that we need to, to mention facts and say things, right? And talk about stuff that's not quite up to par or nice. When does a fact become a complaint? Well, here's an interesting thing that I found in my research. When it is not solution-oriented. When it is not solution-oriented. As a matter of fact, there's a licensed marriage and family therapist that said, complaining without potential solutions or the intention of positive outcome fuels further negativity and is off-putting to those you are complaining to. The other way that you can tell whether a fact has become a complaint is, is it not for the benefit of others and only for you to feel better? If it's only for, the, for, the, for, not the, for their benefit, but it's only for your benefit to feel better just because you just want to get it off your chest, that could be a complaint, so be very careful. Because here's what happens. You, you plant a seed of complaint and you begin to water it and you know what I guarantee you is going to grow? More complaints. More complaining. You're going to be looking and seeing things that are not actually what God is doing around you. You're just going to be looking at what is wrong and what is negative. 
So be very careful. Second thing about the shaky faith that we can see here in these scriptures in verse 3. Let's read verse 3 again. Then the sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Man, don't you just love people like that? Complainers have problems trusting in God's ability. Complainers have problems trusting in God's ability. See, God's not really in control and His ability is not up to par to be able to handle the situation at hand. You know, there's a lot of people that feel that right now in our culture and our society. That, you know, if God was in control, this, this whole coronavirus would just go away. There wouldn't be issues with the coronavirus. We wouldn't have to wear masks anymore and all this stuff would not be happening. Well, let me tell you the danger of thinking like that. You're, you're placing upon God what you think He should do and what is right and rather than Him doing what is right. We're putting upon Him the standard of what we think should happen. And that's dangerous. And that's what complaining will lead to. It leads to a place where it affects yourself and it affects others around you. And this is what's going on here. They have a very shaky faith because their faith hasn't been built on what it needs to be built on. And we'll get to that in a second. Verse number 4 though. Let's read that one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will reign. Boy, I like that word. It's not just I'm going to send a little bit. I will rain bread. And where is it going to come from? I will rain bread from heaven for you. They're complaining, but yet God is going to rain bread from heaven for them. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. For He hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? God hears your grumblings and complaining. He hears those. And in this case, God says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And, and, and what Moses and Aaron tells the people is, you will know you have been delivered from Egypt. Now, my first thought it's kind of like a duh moment. Hello, you've crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. You've seen all the Egyptians completely drowned. You've seen the bitter water become sweet. You've seen miracles left and right. And yet you still don't know that you've been delivered from Egypt. Why would they say that? Because if you remember what they grumbled about and said, they said, only, oh, oh, if only we were back in Egypt. If only we were back there eating the bread and the meat. They were going back. See, they had forgotten what it was like in Egypt. They only wanted to remember the bread and the food at that moment. We must be careful because complaining will get us there. But here's the danger of a shaky faith. Number three, complainers miss the opportunities and blessings God has planned for God has great things planned for these people. He's got great things planned for you and I. And if we're not careful, our complaining will get our eyes completely off of what God has in store and onto the things that don't really matter. 
We'll begin to, to see all that's wrong and all the negative, and, and we will miss what God is doing in the midst of it. God had done a lot of great things in their life leading up to this point, but yet we can see here in these verses they still did not realize that they were set free. They still did not realize the glory of the Lord fully. They had seen the miracles, but they had not fully grasped the God. Now, there's something very interesting in verse number 4 because he says that he's not just going to rain down bread from heaven just to fill their bellies. He says to test them. Let me tell you, what God is doing here is growing their faith. A test is for our benefit to grow us. And that is what God's wanting to do is to grow them. See, there was an entire generation that you can read about later that died in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. They had seen the great miracles of God. They had walked across on dry land. They had seen Nemo in the water as they walked by. They had witnessed the cloud and the fire. But yet... They did not go into the, will, the promised land. Why? Because of a lack of faith. Pastor, where do you get that? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 18 makes it very clear. It is written that they did not enter in because of their lack of faith. Not because of their lack of seeing God work. Or their experience of God doing something. It was their lack of faith. And what we see over and over with these children of Israel is out of their mouth comes complaining. When you dip the bucket down in the well and you pull it up, you should get some good water. But sometimes it's nasty and it's sour. It's because it's down in the well. We have to be careful because that shaky faith that we're trying to live on, we've got it based on the wrong thing. See, God looks for those who celebrate to do something great. Those who complain, He has to work on. Which one are you going to be? Think about this for a second. God says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. He also says to them, you can read a little bit farther and see where He's going to give them meat in the evening. Now, I know many of you, some of you, now when you order your groceries, you call up your, your son or your daughter or you go online or somebody places an order at Publix or Walmart and you pull up, you pop the trunk, they put it in, you drive off. I mean, you don't even have to go in and, 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 and purchase it. You don't have to put it in the buggy. You don't have to walk around. They're just handing it to you. God did a delivery to their front door. I mean, this, this bread and this meat, they just walked outside. There it was. They didn't have to go downtown. They didn't have to place an order. It was a standing order every day. God was going to bless them. And at one point, later in the story, you're going to read where they get sick and tired of the blessing that God had given them. They had gotten sick and tired of eating manna grilled, boiled, fried, filleted, they had figured out how to have manna in so many different ways. There was a cookbook that thick of how to have manna. Every day when they came home, they didn't ask what's for supper. They just asked how are we having it tonight. Because there was many ways to eat manna. Manna was, a, was raining down from heaven, but yet they got to a point where, you know what they said? I am sick and tired of this manna. God, what are you doing? Can't you give us something? We want some meat. And you know what God said? You can read this over in the book of Numbers. God said, all right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you so much meat that 
before you even finish chewing it in your teeth, it's going to be squirting out your nose. For 30 days, all you're going to have is meat. Meat, 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 meat. Sounds just like a good parent, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, there are times in our life when God will do something great. He blesses us. And the next thing you know, we get comfortable in it, don't we? We get comfortable in what God's given to us. And then we begin to complain that it's just not good enough. We need something a little bit better. And that's what's going on in these people's lives. They would actually have clothes that would never wear out, shoes that would never wear out. I wish I had a pair of those for Buddy. Some shoes that would just not wear out. I don't know if the clothes were stretching with them as they changed their sizes, but their clothes apparently never shrank like mine do. So these clothes were a miracle in themselves. But yet, they would complain and complain. We get so comfortable in what God has already done that we begin to complain and look for God to do something else. Here's a very foundational part of faith. And this is something that just hit me this week that was powerful and I could not get it off my mind. So I know this is for someone. Faith cannot be built on miracles alone. For those who say, well, if God would only, then I would believe. Let me tell you something. The Bible is full of where God did, and they still did not believe. Here's an entire nation that did not go into the promised land because they did not believe. But yet they saw all these miracles, and God do great things. Well, if God would just stop this coronavirus today, I'd believe in Him. And then tomorrow you'd expect him to do something else. So you would say, for me to continue to believe in you, God, it's a sad thing that we get to a place where we base God on what he does for us rather than just simply who he is. God is God, and he does not have to prove himself to anyone in this room or listening to this sermon. He don't have to prove himself to me. He's still God. Now, there are needs in our life that, thankfully, he can meet. But we must be careful not to build our faith upon miracles rather than just simply who He is. If our faith is built on actions from God, actions from God must continue for our faith to continue. And is that really faith? Where do you have your faith? In what He does or in the God that He is? See, Job understood that we work this way. Don't step back and say, oh, the children of Israel, they are... They are uh, they're just not as good and faithful as I am. I understand this faith thing. Listen, Job himself, the devil said, Oh, but God, if you take away all the blessings you've given him, he'll curse you. God said, Go ahead, take them away. In fact, it was God's idea. He said, Have you considered Job, my servant? See, this idea that we base our faith on what God does is a long-standing human condition. We must be careful not to let the miracles and God doing something be the foundation of our faith. It has to be something beyond that. If God did not do anything else in your life, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit prompted me this morning to ask this question. Somebody needs to hear this. If God stopped doing Anything in your life. If He no longer blessed you or gave you directions, would you still believe? If God was silent and stepped back, 
would you still believe? That's a hard-hitting question. Because, you know, when things are going great, we'll all shake our head. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Preach up. Preach it. But then when things start going bad, we start going, where is God? Have I missed him? What's going on? I don't even know if he's real anymore. And see, these children of Israel, they were going through these conditions, and it was really revealing the depths of their faith. I'm reminded of when Jesus referred to this particular portion where, where this manna was promised and this manna became uh, real and they'd go out and they'd pick it up and they would eat it. And I want to read just one verse before we jump over to John chapter 6. This is in verse 15 of chapter 16. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. What was it? The bread which the Lord has given to you to eat. Over in John chapter 6, what has happened is Jesus has fed the 5,000. He had sent His disciples across the way, and they've gone over to the other side, and Jesus has come to them at night walking on the water, and they wind up on the other side. Everybody wakes up the next morning, and they're going, well, where'd Jesus go? Where's Jesus? He's not over here no more. And somebody says, oh, we saw him. They left when they went over to the other side. Well, let's go over there. So they go over there and they go to find Jesus. Verse 24 of chapter 6 of the book of John. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on Him the Father God has set His seal. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, You're not... Looking for me, what you're looking for is to have your bellies filled back up. You have seen signs and wonders. You have seen miracles. Listen, Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed the blind and the lame. He brought life. He, he was, was the man that people were following. And yet, Jesus says, you have seen signs, but that's not why you come to see me. It's because I filled up your belly. Verse 28, Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is one of the key verses, key things that Jesus said throughout the Gospels right here. You may want to underline it, highlight it, and circle it, and put it in the margin, and stick it somewhere in your Bible to refer back to it. What is it? What can we do to do the works of God? That's a great question, Jesus says. This is the work of God. I'm going to define it for you. That you believe in Him whom He has sent. What did Jesus say the works of God is? To believe in Jesus. To believe in the Son of God. Verse 30, So they said to Him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? 
What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Give us a sign. Show us. Prove it to us. Give us something. Come on, Jesus. Verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who, give, who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. The true bread out of heaven. That true bread is Jesus. He reveals that in just a second. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. The whole idea of the manna was a foreshadowing of the bread that was to come out of heaven because the bread came down out of heaven to, to the nation of Israel. It says He would rain down out of heaven this bread. It was bread. And this bread would come out of heaven which was Jesus. Then they said to Him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. It is I. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Now does that mean that I'll never have hunger pains in my belly? It's not what that means. That means that God, when God is at the center and you believe and you have faith in Him, He will provide when you need something like that. You can trust in Him to do the great. Let me tell you, the bread of life has come down out of heaven, and that is Jesus, and that is who we need to build our faith upon, not the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the workings of God. For someone who says, well, if God would only do a miracle, I could believe. That is a person who's going to build their faith on a God that's not the real God. They're trying to build their faith on something they can see and control and have, have their hands on. And as soon as that miracle is over, they're not going to believe anymore. They're going to require another sign. Pastor, how can you say that? Because we see this in Scripture. It's the human condition, the children of Israel. We saw it as an example in Job. We see it here with, with Jesus. He is saying to these people, you're here just wanting your bellies filled. You're not here to believe. Wow. What is the work of God? It is to believe in Him. To have faith. Faith is the essence of the relationship with God. Now I want, us to, I want to go back to the manna just for a moment before we get into what must I do. This manna that we see in chapter 16, there's something very interesting about it. God told them, every day I'm going to give you just enough for that day. I want you to go out and I want you to take an omer for each person in your house. Get an omer full. Have an omer full. And then at the end of the day, don't let there be any left. And tomorrow I'm going to give you some more. Some of the people in the very beginning wanted to test the waters. Well, I'm not sure if we'll have any tomorrow. Doubt. So I'm going to leave a little bit. And the next morning when they woke up, it, it was rank had worms in it. It was nasty. And they went outside and there was some more manna. That evening, I'm sure, there was, there was meat according to what it says here in, in Exodus chapter 16. Each and every day, God would give them something that was a blessing from heaven. One day at a time, He would give them what they needed. Then on the sixth day, God would say, I want you to gather twice as much because on the seventh day 
I'm going to be silent because you're going to be resting. I don't want you coming out working. I want you to have enough to last you for a couple of days so you can just rest and take it easy. And God gave them enough on that sixth day to last them two days. Then he gave them enough on Sunday for just Sunday. and Enough for Monday for just Monday. And he went on like that. Here's the point. God has given each and every person some manna in your life. In the midst of this chaos and this craziness of everything that is going on, how we want to complain because we're sick and tired and we are done with this whole coronavirus. I am. But in the middle of this, if we're not careful, we're going to miss what God is doing. So we have to intentionally look for the manna in our own life. So what is God doing in your life? Right now, think about something that you'd go, man, God, God provided this, God provided that. God's providing here, God's providing there. Don't focus on the stuff that you need help with. Focus on the things God's already doing. You know one thing? And God's provided us with a great church that we can come to and worship. I mean, we can appreciate that now, can't we, ladies and gentlemen? Because there was a time when we could not even come in this room. And now here we are. We thank God for this manna. What manna is God giving to you that you're missing because all you see is what you don't have and how you're just hungry? See, rock-solid faith is built on just knowing God is God and you worship Him for that. Whether He delivers you from the fire or not, you're going to praise Him. Whether He shows up or not, you're still going to praise Him. That's rock-solid faith. That's not shaky faith. That will get you through this difficult time. What must I do? This is where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and really led me to a scripture that is a, a, a little off, but it's a little on what we're talking about here. It's Psalm chapter 95, verses 7 and 8. Psalm 95, 7 and 8. I read the first part of chapter 95 this morning. Now, verse 6. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen me work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter into my rest. A group of people who were blessed by God to see great miracles and God work in their life, but yet they missed it. The very first thing we need to do today is we need to listen for His voice. Going back to verse 7. Today, if you would hear His voice, listen to His voice. What is He telling you? How is He leading you? What manna has He provided for you already in this pandemic? You know, I'm reminded of what I've heard some people talk about. Boy, I'm looking forward to when things go back to normal. The first thing that comes to my, my mind is, you mean when you didn't have time for anything like church? or your family, and you were just so busy, you just couldn't figure out how to go from day to day. You mean the time when there was all this conflict and, and, and you weren't spending time with your family? That's what you want to go back to, right? But yet God has given us this opportunity. 
that we must seize today and see the manna that He has given to us. So we must listen for His voice to reveal to us, what is it, God, that you are giving that I need to see? And the second one is, let's not harden our hearts. Let's not harden our hearts. Today, if you would hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's not harden our hearts by only seeing what we don't have and how hard things are. Now, I'm not here to say that you can't talk about the hard things because you need to get those out and share with people. You need prayer. I understand that. But again, let's, let's remember there's a difference between sharing facts and there being an issue and complaining. Complaining makes it all about us. Complaining looks for no solution, just an opportunity, just to let it fly. So here's what your challenge is for the next seven days. For the next seven days, I triple, double dog dare you. I brought that out again. To write down every day a blessing from God. I want you to look for, in fact, pray. God, show me my manna today. Every day, God's grace is sufficient. When I was a, a child, when I was growing up, I was being made fun of because of my birth defect, and it, it was just tough. I remember sitting on a bus, singing, One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. And that's all I could hold on to, was just give me one day. Just one day. Just one day. God's grace is sufficient for today. God has blessed you with manna in your life. Find it. Rejoice in it. And be glad. Gina, as you come and as you begin to pray, play, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes now. I don't know how you need to take what God has brought today, this morning. Because I believe the Holy Spirit has ministered to you in some way. Whatever He has spoken to you, I want you to do something with it right now. Father, we know that You are God. And Lord, You have done great things. You're the Creator. You're the Maker. You're the Sustainer. And God, if You did nothing else for us, we want to still praise you. Lord, if this coronavirus never goes away in my lifetime, I'm still going to praise you. If I have to wear a mask for the next two years, God, I'm still going to praise you because you're still providing manna in my life. May I be aware of that. May I focus on what you are doing because as people see my joyful attitude in my heart toward what you're doing, they're going to want to know more. So God, help me see your manna each and every day. Help turn my complaining into rejoicing, my sadness into joy, to know that you are present and you're working. Lord, we are comforted to know that these people, they complain, they grumble. They were a mess, but yet you still provided. May we learn from their example. 
May we walk forward in your ways. The greatest gift you ever gave us to each and every person is Jesus Christ. The bread from heaven. Right now, Father, if someone does not have a relationship with you that they've been trying to build it upon what you've done for them and how you have worked and the miracles and God, that's shaky. May they simply express and ask for your forgiveness and ask you to take over their life. God, that's what you offer. You offer glory and blessings. If people will just receive your Son, Jesus Christ, into their life, Count your blessings and name them one by one.